This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So we are back with the penultimate Potters podcast before this World Cup break. And unfortunately, it's not a good one, is it, Mike? <laughs> no, it's not, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know I wasn't meant to be on this pod, and I wish I bloody wasn't, to be quite frank with you. Uh, I've got to think of so much better things to do. <laughs> Don't have to relive all that crap. Um, but how, how are you anyway, mate? You're good? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Bearing up after the uh, strains of watching that 90 minutes today. <laughs> Let's just try and make it as quick as we can and we can put everyone out of the misery, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so obviously, you know, we were... I spent the whole morning at work as well telling everybody who came in and asked how we were going to do. I must have quoted the two wins in 18 since 97 about a dozen times, you know, just just readying everybody for what was inevitably going to happen. So at least I feel like I did some good. I did some good. (laughs) <laughs> I tell you what, though, mate. The minute in time with with Stoke, not just just today's result, but you know what it feels like to me. The best way I could probably describe it, it's like a recurring nightmare. And <laughs> you wake up during the night, and it doesn't matter how many times you try and you know try and clear your mind or think happy thoughts. You know, a bit of Peter Pan going on there. Uh, but it doesn't matter how, how many times you do that. You know, it just feels like you slip straight back into that little nightmare again. You know, you might have a nice dream once or twice, and all of a sudden you're back into the same old, same old. And that is ex- that's kind of exactly how it feels. And I mean, when I, when I look at the game and I look at you know us recently, obviously Alex Neal clearly feels that four at the back hasn't been effective enough, which is why he's gone back to his fullbacks. And you could probably say that maybe Josh Time and um, and how he plays and how he gets the best out of him needs a fullback. Um, but obviously then the fullbacks isn't really working either because we're not winning games. I think we've lost like, what, four on the trot now? Um, he's clear, for me, he's clearly got a bunch of players who can't play fullback and can't play a back four. Because I think of a back four, you'd probably want more natural wingers, which we obviously don't have. So I think he's stuck between like a rock and a hard place, to be honest. He's, he's got a team that can't play either way efficiently enough to make any damage in this division. So I've seen a few comments, which we'll get into in a bit, but... Like, he seems to really be struggling to try and find a bit of an antidote to this. And maybe the the real focus for this season is just keeping ourselves up, which is bloody nuts to think we're talking about trying to stay up, mate. <laughs> did you hear me sigh then? I did, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, right, let's, 
let's unpack what actually happened this afternoon and then I think maybe we need to have a talk as to what we actually need or what we what we're missing. Okay. Sounds that sound a plan? Mm, go for it. Yeah. So obviously started started on the back foot. Birmingham started well, they were you know, pushing us back. Um however, comfortable in possession. Simple square ball, Fox to Jagielka. Jagielka let it run straight under his foot. Who's in there? You called it Scott Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Pounces on the loose ball. One on one and actually very good finish. You know, basic came out, narrowed the angle a bit, and he produced a very good finish into the corner. But how just typical is that of us at the minute? We the one player we've been sort of bigging up in de- defensive terms in the last few weeks. Uh, what a difference he's made since he's come to the side, and he's the one just an absolute. You know, he's forty years old. He's been playing this professional game for nearly twenty five years. And you can probably count on one and the amount of times he's probably done that. Yeah, and obviously Alex Neal was absolutely talking him up in the pre-match. Once uh, he's saying how how good he's been, you know, he, he's older. We'll, we'll give him a new contract effectively, and next game that happens, and it's it sods law. It's a bit like um, oh, I might be getting the player wrong here. We're going back a bit. Was it Eric Peters? He was he was doing absolutely brilliant, and then we gave him a new contract, and he went completely off the boil. I mean, that could go for a lot of players, I guess, but. Uh, it seems to happen quite a lot, doesn't it? Not just for Stoke and fairness, mate, for wider teams, whether it's a conscious thing or obviously, it's, I hope it's not a conscious thing, but you know, a subconscious thing where it's like, okay, got my contract, I can just chill now. Uh, it, it feels a little bit like that sometimes. I mean, Jags, I, I think we, we should sign him up. I think it's a no-brainer to sign him up. The, the guy's been solid, so to want to drop him already or overly criticise him for anyone I think is very unfair um, there's other players who could probably take that mantra before Jags I think yeah I don't think, I don't think it's fair to uh, judge him on this on the one mistake I mean it can happen like I say to can happen to anybody like we've seen all you've seen international footballers you know Premier League winners and all sorts do their you know do the odd error like that mm-hmm. um, but yeah it just it just Typifies where we're at at the minute. <laughs> Again, straight on the back foot. I mean, it's it's tough enough trying to break teams down and, and you know get something from home games at the minute as it is. Yeah. To 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 go one nil down early on and have them drop another ten. You know where they can drop ten yards in midfield can drop in again and and make it even more difficult for us. It's just what we didn't need at all. We needed down at the other end, didn't we? That's what we need, so we can open the game up. Yeah, well, I must admit, mate, you could just feel everyone's apathy in the stadium, uh, I guess, in terms of you know, that first goal goes in for Birmingham and probably just as much as the players feel it, I think the fans thought, oh, here we go again. You know, it changes everything, doesn't it? I mean, what, what was it now? Is it played 87 or played 88 um, and still only won four from a losing position? I don't think it's... I don't know if it's... From a losing position, it's when conceding the first goal, isn't it? But I, well, suppose, I, don't, I can't, thing, can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine there being much, much difference in it. But I can't imagine us being scoring first, going two on down, and coming back and winning too often in that run either. <laughs> um, no. But yeah, it's like you say, it's four and eighty-eight. It's, it's, there's got to be some sort of mental block there, but I think. Again, it points towards the fact we haven't got enough creativity in the side. There's enough, not enough flair. Is there? 
But yeah, right. Part no. of that. That's part of that, I mean. Get back to the game. <laughs> so Tyrese Campbell, obviously come out in the week or the end of the week, in the last couple of days, he's a glandular fever, which is why he hasn't featured in the last two games. And probably is the reason why he was a bit lethargic in that last game he played. You know, when everyone's like, oh, you know, he, he had them two good displays, didn't he? And then he was at uh, Preston and against Rotherham. And then when he played Coventry, he was just really lethargic, wasn't he? He couldn't, couldn't get into the game. And that would explain it because as somebody who's had glandular fever, it's it's not nice. I think that's probably one of the worst. He <laughs> felt worse with that than I think anything I've had. Yeah, um, never mind being an athlete having to run, you know, yeah. full pal. So, yeah, I can so, imagine. Yeah, so if he's got the onset of that, but, you know, in the stages where it's probably in his system, but he hasn't actually come to the point where he knows he's ill, yeah, that, that would explain that performance. But anyway, he was back in the team today. And for actually somebody like say who's had glandular I think he's done really... I was really impressed, actually. I thought, he'd, well, he was running around. He was there was plenty of effort in there, uh, but the, to me, he was he must have been offside seven or eight times. He just there's just the link up again between the midfield and the, and the strikers was just it was he, either he was timing his run, he was going just that half second too too fast, you know, too soon. Sorry, with his run, or the midfield small Ben in particular was just holding onto the ball that second too long, so he was. You know, when he needed releasing, he was making the run, but he was just waiting that second longer and he was offside again and again. I mean, credit to Birmingham. It was a great line they were holding, obviously, to keep catching him offside. But, um, but yeah, he, that's, he just needed that quicker release, I feel. I feel. Yeah, well, that, there you go. That shows about the creativity that you've just been complaining about. You know, again, that player who can just unlock the perfect pass at the perfect time. And uh, yeah, you, again, Tyrese, you've got to criticise him for a couple of offsides. I think it's, it's unfair to give it all on the midfield. Um, you know, he's he's got to time things better. He's got the pace to catch up a lot of the time, so he doesn't probably need to go as early as he probably thinks he does. But yeah, I mean, he's not the only one, though, is he? Let's be honest. Uh, there's there's a lot of players who have been in that in that situation. I mean, one player you mentioned to me, mate, was was Jacob Brown. I mean, rather ineffective again, would you say? Yeah, and I. I... You sort of worry for him under Alex Neal as well because obviously he had a great season, didn't he, last year? And Alex Neal probably would have been told because he was he was injured as soon as Alex Neal came in. He's, he's just been out for six weeks, hasn't he? So Alex Neal's come in, he's gone in, he's got injured, and obviously he's had everyone telling him, you know, all the good stuff he was doing last year. Yeah, he's a great player, he's got brilliant energy, he's work rate. He, he presses, he har- you know harasses defenses, um, and obviously he's, he's been grabbing goals and more goals in the last twelve months. But Alex Neal must be watching him and thinking, mm, "I'm not seeing it here." And obviously, he's obviously fallen behind. Say Campbell. I mean, Campbell and Powell played today, and you think that you know. If he doesn't book his ideas up shortly, I mean, understand he's just been out for a few weeks and he's not yet up to speed, but he's got to make an impression with this manager yet because he hasn't. I don't believe Alex Neal's probably seen the best of him. So is he, is yeah, he going to yeah. believe that 
you know, is he going to believe the play is there that he's being told there is there? He has, he's not going to have the luxury of time, is he? I think that's the thing. Like I, I know I said previous part, he needs five, six, seven games if he can, but um, we've already had enough problems with not being able to score goals. So I think to give another player five, six, seven games of not not really affecting the game, not scoring, I, I mean, I, I don't know what the solution is because you can kind of say, well, yeah. does that mean we have to go back to Delap and Gale and co? But they haven't been doing it either. So, I mean, well, when I looked at that team, mate, should be scoring goals. There shouldn't be any excuse for not scoring scoring goals. Yeah, well, that's be, surely not. He he knows what Nick Powell can do, doesn't he? He's seen and he's seen. He'll show glimpses of that so far. He's seen glimpses and he knows what Tyrese Campbell can do because he's seen it now firsthand in those couple of games. I think Liam Delap not really show much to him, but he's getting an idea of what he can and can't do. Gale's probably been. Um, you know, not majorly influential in the final third, but he's he's shown his side to his game. So again, the manager knows what he can do. And like I say, if if if, if um, Jacob Brown's not careful, where will he fit in that pecking order in Alex Neal's head when he's looking for? You know, when it comes to naming the side, he's saying, "Well, I know what he can do. I know he's good. I know his quality. I know what's there." And Jacob Brown, not. Because I, I think, I'll be honest, I think the Jacob Brown of last season would fit Alex Neal down to the ground. I think he's the kind of player he would love and sort of bring on as well and you know try and develop even further because he's got all the attributes that Alex Neal's really, you know, really high on and really, you know, really important to him. The only saving grace I think the likes of Jacob and probably the rest of the strikers are going to have, mate, and... We'll talk about it a bit closer to the time, but when, when you know, the January transfer window arrives, um, we ain't going to have loads of money, mate, to go and spend on a proven goal scorer. I mean, Christ, we've been looking for one of them for long enough. So there's no way we're going to bring one unless you get absolutely mega lucky on a loan. But then for me, you've got to... I mean, we've already maxed out the loans, if I remember rightly. So we're probably going to have to rip up a couple of loans to even afford it, never mind find a place for it. So yeah. that, that's Not a big problem good. for me. Now, what, what did you think about the second goal? I've seen a lot of criticism. Joe Bursick's really been taking it tonight. Um, and you know what? I, I, I get it. I think he's, yeah. he's clearly made a mistake. And at the same time, Harry Clark needs to take a big ball of that uh, blame as well because he completely loses his man. They're both at fault, basically. But it's just such a poor goal to concede yet again. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, obviously, Bursick sort of He's come for it, felt he could claim it. Why he feels he can claim that ball, I don't know. As soon as he saw him come off his line, I thought he is never getting to that ball. And I could see that straight away. Whether he's nervous and trying to make a claim, you know, trying to show people that he commands his box, he comes off his line, uh, and his boost decision making there was way off. He should, you know, he should never have been going for that ball. Uh, you should make you know make the defender head it away. Um, what I will say is, having seen it back, as obviously there's there's like the three defenders, three attackers all jostling, sort of you know six to eight yards out, and as the um, the guy who scores Harley Dean and it, as he runs off, he is actually Clark's man. So Clark tries to follow it, and another Birmingham uh, player just grabs. Clark's shirt so Clark sort of like on the arm part so Clark sort of like you know pulls his arm back 
uh, to sort of loosen the grip. This guy's just tugged his shirt. And obviously in the time that's taken, that stride, that half a second, has allowed Dean the run the run on him to, to go and head it in. Right, so, I've not seen that. Yeah, so it's one of them things where I only saw it I looked back and I thought, yeah, really, you know, if the ref had spotted that, he could well have given a free kick for, you know, just the, the shirt pull. Um, but that, I mean, getting onto the ref, that's another thing. I thought he was yet another abysmal referee, just... I mean, I do. I'm not so much blaming him for for the results because I think you know, obviously, it was defensive errors, especially like the first goal and that. But yeah, he's. I thought he was. He, he never let the game flow. I mean, there was one time that in the first half we we got we were attacking and the ball came to Powell on the halfway line. He's played it first time down into the channel, and Campbell's run, run you know, chase the ball down, and he's got it on the corner of the box. And he's 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 faced the defender up, so he's got the ball under control, and he's running. He's he's, he's making his way to the defender. The defender's backing off, and you've got a couple of Stoke players arriving in the middle, and about thirty yards out, somebody was taken out off the ball, and the refs played the refs blues whistle and pulled it back for a free kick thirty yards back, and I'm like, we've got a man here, just about to get into the box, you know, facing a defender. Why have you pulled the ball back thirty yards? So foul off the ball. <laughs> and <I> th- yeah. <laughs> it's like it, it's just there was no flow to the game. A good referee will do. Yeah, you, know, you play the advantage, and you go back and you get you because you give a yellow card. Right? You go book the player afterwards, don't you? When the ball goes out, like the majority of referees have done. I mean, to be fair, that's one thing you could say about all the referees this season, pretty much, is they've let the the, the game flow, rightly or wrongly yeah. at times. They've let the because game that's. Flow. That's that's the, what they've been told to do, isn't it? That, that's what the you know, the authorities have said to them. You need to let the game flow. Right, yeah. Was there anyone that come out of this game with no blame? Would you say? Um, I don't know if I don't know if many people agree with me. I don't know if I've seen something that others haven't. I don't think Baker had a bad game. I thought he had a better game than he's had in a while. I thought he was involved. In respect of trying to push things on, he was sort of getting putting a foot in the midfield and always looking to keep the ball moving and keep us progressing up the field. Um, the substitutes were the, the the bright points, though. I mean, Clark, I think, other than the other than the goal, um, did very well. He was very good going forward, uh, creating quite a few chances down the wing. And uh, Fosu as well had two really good shots um, towards the end when he came on. Yeah, I think Fosu is it's it's, it's one of them. He's probably been the the shining light this this season. Obviously, he's just won the goal of the month. Uh, sorry, player of the month rather. Um, for obviously it was October. So again, he's been doing really well, and I think for him to be dropped. Um, it's harsh. I think you've just got to find a place for him. You mentioned, in fact, we, I think we've both done it, but you you last mentioned it as that he should be one of a front three and play on the left. Because like when, when he goes forward, he's brilliant at the back. He's useless. <laughs> but, you know, he's really good going forward. So why wouldn't you make room for him? I mean, it's not like the goal scorer. You know, they're all the other strikers are scoring goals, five, six goals, you know, every, every couple of weeks. So what harm is there in trying that? I mean, him and Tymon down the left, bloody hell. I mean, if you can find a, a, a way to fit them both in, now there's some delivery for you. 
that's it, isn't it? If you've got the time and overlapping and Fosu, you know, being able to come inside, go outside, the pair of them together could be lethal. I mean, what formation would you need there? Like a four-four-two? I would go for a traditional four-four-two. It doesn't need to be anything fancy, right now, especially. Um, let's let's just try and. I mean, I guess you could say who who goes and plays a right winger. I mean, Brown could probably do a job there. Uh, maybe Harry Clark could do a job at right midfield with Sterling behind him at right back. Yeah. Why? Why? Why could not be? Could you play like, um, or even have like a Nick Powell out there, sort of a bit of space out on the wing there, isn't there? You know, obviously he's got Sterling or Clark who can come and overlap him or whatever, and you know he's got a bit of space out, more space out there than he would in a. Because I don't, can you play in a two-man midfield? Would you say him and Baker or him and Lauren, Not in the way that Baker, we've been playing too him and Thompson. I mean, it's an option, isn't it? I mean, again. I think Alex Neil will try anything right now uh, to try and find a formula. And I mean, I'm sure there'll be no no doubt he's probably gone home tonight or he's on his way home or whatever. And they'll be looking at that first thing tomorrow. They'll be looking at all the game. What options have they got? What can they do? Um, because, you know, he, he needs a result. Now, I don't think for a second, I won't go too deep into this, but I don't think for a second that his job's in, in any danger whatsoever. He's, he's a manager playing with somebody else's players at the end of the day. It's not his fault that the owners decided to back Michael O'Neill, give him eight players, and then sack him straight away without even giving him chance. We said this preseason, if O'Neill gets his own players, you've got to give him until at least Christmas or January. You either do that or you sack him as soon as the end of the season's done and you get a new manager in to get his own players. Now we've got eight players who potentially the manager might not like any of them, all on contracts or long-term loans that we can't rip up without paying stupid fees for. And now he's stuck. And we've got a manager who's not assigned hardly a single player. Uh, it's, I mean, people, I've, I've seen the comments tonight, and I, well, we might as well start getting into this. We can circle back if you want. But a lot of people calling out the owners here. And I am I like to back the owners um, very much on the side of kind of where would we be without them. And I know a lot of people like to hit people over the head with that comment. Um well, there's no one else queuing up to buy the club for a start. Uh, so you've got to say, look, from a financial perspective, we can't do any better from a financial standpoint. But, you know, have, have, have those people also got a fair argument to say that do the owners know what they're doing? Have they got, have they got a vision? Uh, have they got a very clear tactic on what's going on? Because well, we've just brought this, um, we're bringing a new guy in, aren't we? I can't remember now. Uh, he's going to be supporting the recruitment team. I can't even remember his name. Um, so, yeah, they're bringing him in. But, you know, he, where's that come from? The whole point of changing the structure was that we didn't need somebody like that. And now we brought in a technical director. It's like, hold on. What is your vision? Which which is the way you're going to go about this? Um, Mate, I I just... I think the the issue is... You've got to come into question a little bit. Michael O'Neill, if you remember, had such a mess to sort out when he came in because he had players, he had Mark Hughes' players, and Mark uses style, and you know he's, he he likes flair, didn't he? And it concentrates mm. on attacking. And then you have Paul Lambert, who I don't think he actually had much say in the couple of players who did come in. Um, but then again, like I say, then you got Gary Rowett, so he spent a fortune on players, and they were all tried and tested Championship players. And again, he was looking for sort of you know 
very much like strong defensively kind of players, weren't you? Although, like you know, people like a Fabian Ince came in, they were his style was all about defense, and he wanted players who would fit into sort of that kind of mold. Or actually, if he'd have got them, he might have done actually better. But it's like we've gone from Hughes, an attacking manager, to Lambert to 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 Rowett. Then you go to Nathan Jones, who's a very fluid tactical kind of manager, looking at attacking football and playing on the front foot. And then you and then you go back to Michael O'Neill, who's always been the underdog. And it's like. Well, there's no I direction do, there from the club, is there? Yeah, I do get, I do get what people say, and then so O'Neill's took over, and you've got five different managers previous to him, who all want different styles of football, who all want different types of players, who've all brought in different styles of footballer. So they're like, so, well, it's a mishmash. You've got five different managers for players, and it's a mishmash. And the squad was just a mess. And they're all on long contracts. They're all on big contracts. And it took him two years, didn't it, to sort out and, and finally rid out, you know, and get into his kind of squad. That just so happened that towards the end of those two years, people started losing patience. And, I th- yeah, yeah, I think he, he maybe um, had got a bit worn down by the job itself and everything as well. Uh, by the end of it, he looked a bit beaten, didn't he? As a, a beaten, bit of a beaten man towards the end of it. Um, but yeah, it, it's like if I do understand, I, I'm I'm all for the council. I, I, you know, I do not want them to leave at all. But I do understand where people are coming from when they say the club should, the club should say this is our identity, this is what we're trying to achieve, this is how we're going to go about it. These are the people in charge of, say, recruitment. The manager, he comes in on knowing that this is the way we work. If he leaves, if he is either sacked or he's poached by somebody else or whatever, we go out and we get a manager, another manager, who feels the same way as our ethos, and we do, it, and that's how you go. You repeat the same thing again and again because that is the way you work. Therefore, another manager should be able to come in and pick up with the squad because they'll be his kind of players. Yeah, exactly that, mate. Exactly that. Because basically, what the owners have done, they've trusted too many managers to, to do a job. I mean, yeah, Pulis, they, Pulis had his had his way of doing it. It worked with Pulis, and it was like, okay, well, it worked before, we can work again. Well, maybe and it worked not. with Hughes, didn't it? Let's be honest, wow. until the last 12 months or so. You know, Hughes took it on a level, and, 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 did, and I think... Everyone, if you think back a decade, everybody was lavishing praise on the Coates family for, oh, what you know, they, they give managers time, they don't sack them, they, you know, they're, they're bad run, they don't. and and now that's sort of flipped on its head of they give them too much time. You should have sacked. Why did you? Why didn't you um, sack Mark Hughes earlier? Wouldn't be in this mess if he had a run. <laughs> it's yeah. Um, well. It's it, it's it's a fair comment. I see both sides. I think for a lot of people, what they need to do is yeah, they've got the money. No one's going to fault them for the money side. We know they'd all spend a fortune if they were allowed to. Um, what a lot of people will argue is that okay, well they need a football man then who knows football, someone who actually wants to stay here more than five minutes in the, in the recruitment team, and then that is the philosophy. We are this as our mantra. This is what we stand for. This is what we do. Anyone coming in, you will play this way. We'll help you sign the players, blah blah blah. And this is this is what it is. And come out and say this is our vision as a club. 
This is where we want yeah. to be. This is when we want to be, and and go from there. Because you are not it, you are not the manager. You are the head coach. Yeah, it's the modern way of doing it. To be honest, yeah. for a lot of clubs. So, I mean, we, we better probably start moving on a little bit because we're conscious we've been here for almost half an hour talking about this now. But, um, mates, I mean, did you see some of the comments from from Neil after the? After the press conference, I think, uh, well, after the game, rather, I think he did a press conference. And some of the comments that he, he made, have you seen them? I haven't, unfortunately. No. So, I mean, this is a couple of screenshots. Um, no, it's not in particularly great order, unfortunately, but I've, I've ripped them off somebody on on, on uh, Twitter. Um, he says, another way is for me to not take any risks with the ball. Get the ball, get it forward and play their half. Don't risk the ball at the back. It's not how I would I'll ideally like to play, but arguably it may be where we are at the moment. I'd certainly consider that second half, we didn't really risk it, did we? Second half, the majority of times we got we put it forward. I don't think personally that it's enough at this level if you want to be a good team. But if you continually give cheap goals away when you try and open the pitch up and play, it might be something we need to do in the meantime. And as far as I'm aware, that's a qu- probably a question that was asked around long ball, more direct style of play. Do we need to go to the long ball? type of play, which um, a lot of people won't be happy about, but he's kind of turning around and going, well, if that's what it takes. Um, so there we go. There's another philosophy. And uh, you know, we've obviously got a team that are perfectly set up for the long ball, haven't we? That's the one thing we've been, we've seen a few times where we, we just don't play like that. So you can't just switch to a long ball game. We are stuck I'd, with what we've got. Um, I would say the... <sighs> So the way you'd have to do that maybe would be, say, I don't know, Brown and Campbell playing on the wings and maybe a Powell down the middle, but Powell sort of can drop in a bit deeper, pick the ball up and just ping it into the wings. Maybe that could be. Um, Yeah. What I'll do, I'll just read some comments out and then we'll, we'll... We'll kind of move on, I think, to be honest, Dan. Um, so uh, Nick Pace says, um, absolutely awful yet again. Uh, I'm so fed up of turning up to watch this garbage. Years and years of misery, rotten to the core. Uh, Stace says, for the first time or one I can remember supporting Stoke, I don't know whether to bother on Tuesday or not. Work the next day, and to be honest, I just don't enjoy it. Uh, Nigel Hackney says, the problem is, it's a habit that's hard to break. You're petrified of missing that one game in case it's the one. That one you'll always regret missing. As it's Stoke, we go to the next morning, work, and think, why did I bother? <laughs> yeah, we've all been there several times. Um, Lee Beresford says, uh, why has he gone to the wing-backs at home? Played four at the back versus Sheffield, and it worked. Uh, and we've got a couple more. So um, these are actually early predictions, but I'll read about since they're here. So um, Tom's not feeling confident. He's going for a 3-1 loss at Luton. Uh, Mark says uh, Luton 2-0, followed by a defeat at the Hawthorns and being in the bottom three at the World Cup. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, oh, mate, there's, there's more. Tim Whitehurst, I think Stoke have finally broken me. Genuinely don't think I can be asked to go on Tuesday. The inevitable Nathan Jones chest pumping when we give them a goal and they time waste the shit out of our inability to get back into the game. And there's comment after comment after, I mean, it's honestly, I could go all day, but you kind of get the theme, mate. I mean, we're sat here now where a lot of people are saying they can't be asked to go anymore. Um, it, it gets them annoyed after a loss. They, it, you know, it ruins the weekend. Um, and you know what? If you don't want to go, I've always said this, and I don't care what people think. Um, if you're paying for a product that you it either doesn't work how you want it to work, or you're not gaining any enjoyment out of it, um, why the hell would you carry on paying for it? 
you wouldn't. If Netflix was crap, you'd get rid of Netflix because it wasn't entertaining anymore. And I'm sorry, football has to be like that sometimes. If it's really getting you to the point where you're not enjoying your weekends, it's spoiling your weekends, it's whatever it's doing, you have a right not to go. And I don't care what people think about it. I don't. If someone said to me, oh, I, you know, Mike, you've not been for two weeks. Well, yeah, because it's a load of crap. I don't want to sit there and get cold and wet and put the wife out, put the kid out. If I don't want to go, I don't want to go. There's this kind of blind loyalty in football sometimes, Dan, that I just think people are very feel like easy targets. Like, if you don't want to go because it's not entertaining you and it's really making you miserable, don't go. Forget what anyone thinks. Um, I've seen a lot of comments like that tonight, and I, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to sit here and criticise people for it. Why should they have to pay for something that they hate? They love it, but they hate it. It's fair enough for me. Yeah, I mean, I get... I think I think the person who said about um, missing one, and then this might be the game. This could be the one we remember forever. That's the that's the one. And I remember, you know, I think especially when when, when you sort of you're in there, like you week in week out, and every, and then the Saturday night you've lost and you and you feel drained. And those comments, they roar, are they? The raw comments, they they you know passionate, and then. The majority of them people will probably wake up tomorrow morning and be like, I've got to go Tuesday because what if we beat Luton 3 0 and and Nathan Jones is crying on the touchline? <laughs> Do you know what I, mean? I don't want to miss that. And it's it, or what we are, what, what if he is 1 0 up and he's beating his chest and then we score twice in the last 10 minutes and he's we're cheering it round? I can't miss that. And that's what keeps dragging people back into it. It's it that, is, yeah. yeah, it's that fear of missing the one. I think a lot of the time, like I it think is. that was the nail, the nail on the head. But everyone's um, got a right not to go, though, haven't they? Let's be honest. You don't have to go. Oh, yeah, it's it's, making it's, you feel it's like your own choice. It's your own choice. Everyone's got their own circumstances as well. So I never. Yeah, yeah, I'd never um, criticise anybody for for not going. I, I think you know we've all. Everyone's got their own circumstances, haven't they? Everyone's got their own um, commitments, whether that be work, family, um, whatever. Or like you say, just just basically choosing, for, probably for their own sanity and their own mental health. <laughs> to give it yeah. a break. <laughs> It'll be a bit depressing after a while. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, mate. I'm taking over now. But yeah, I know we've probably got Johnny as well from the audio, but I'll, uh, I'll leave that to you. Well, first and foremost, Michael, I was optimistic going into today's match. I felt really good about it. I felt good when I seen the lineup. And uh, I think on this day, we beat ourselves. I mean, you know, costly mistakes. I don't think we seem to have hung our head right away, but there seemed to be displacency. We seemed to rush the ball. I felt as though there were too many balls in the air pumped up in the other half. Uh, our strikers trying to, def- you know, to, to settle the ball down with those balls punched up I didn't feel as though until Fosu uh, came on that uh, we dictated the play more I thought once we had Campbell sit back uh, or rather sorry Powell sit back I felt as though the game opened up more and I felt as though he should have always been it was a head scratcher for me to be honest why Neil put him up I get it he has the flair he has the uh, you know, the ability to to take on defenders, but to create spaces. He's just an all-around, uh, on the day, a, a great attacking midfielder that can 
breakdown opposition on 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 the best of his days but uh i just felt as though he should have been utilized from the back from the get-go um to be fair i didn't feel as though campbell i mean you know had much of a game for me i felt as though um you know he should have been taken off earlier but uh you know look um you know, I can break down individual, but at the end of the day, for me, as I always say, the players should take onus, um, you know, as well as Neil, but I felt as though um, we just, you know, on paper and, and on the pitch, we have the quality to beat a team like Birmingham because really there was nothing in it for them. And I just felt really frustrated on the day, um, you know, and uh yeah, those are my thoughts, really. I, I felt, you know, the PK gave us life. Um, was it convincing from Baker? I don't know. I'm, I'm beginning to wonder if he is the, the man to wear the band for us. Um, yes, he, you know, he, he has that fire uh, in, his, in his belly on days, sure. But I'm still, I'm not quite there or convinced yet. But uh, look, at the end of the day, there's, uh, there needs work to be done. And, um, you know, on the running play of things, I, I feel looking back at these last four games, I mean, these are points we should be taking. But, uh, yeah, to be a Stoke supporter, you know, I'm beginning to realize that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. <laughs> you know, I was really happy when we got Gale in, and I felt as though, you know, he'd be uh, putting goals in the onion bag. And I was really... Uh, I hope uh, he didn't have any knocks. I was surprised that he didn't get in today. He's been really playing well for us, creating chances, and it's unfortunate that he hasn't been on the scoreboard today. But, uh, yeah, I appreciate you reaching out, Michael, and uh, asking me my point of view on this. But, uh, yeah, you just got to keep with the lads and, uh, you know, uh, just hope O'Neill, uh, sorry, Neil, rather, puts uh, puts the lads in place for our game on Tuesday against Luton. And, uh Really and truly, I hope we just step up to the occasion. Um, like I said, I did say we'd end on a positive there, Mike. Uh, <laughs> any idea what it could be? Uh, no, but I'm sure you tell me. Harry Suter was on the bench today. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, I think, don't think he'll be uh, struggling to get back into the team anytime soon, mate, as much as those defenders haven't been dreadful. But, uh, yeah, he's back, he's fit, he'll play. <laughs> yes, so, um, yeah, back on the bench. Um, perfect, perfect timing to come in and replace the forty-year-old. May just be creaking slightly. Can he play up front? Can he score goals? Well, he's six foot seven. He's probably if you're going to play long ball, stick him in Aidan Flint up there. Christ, can't do any worse. So, uh, finish off with man of the match. No. <laughs> Uh, how do you want me to do this? Because just ignore it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so the the actual top percentage, like the 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 what got most votes, was none of the above, thirty two percent. But uh, it's got just played Powell centre attacking midfielder with two strikers, and can we skip to next season, please? What league one? Oh no, I'm right. Um, but yeah, as for the actual uh, the vote, Clark uh, Clark got twenty percent of the vote and man of the match, which seems as as he came on after an hour and was up for one of the goals. 
Well, debatably. He um he's done quite well there. <laughs> Says everything that, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, ben Wilmot got fourteen percent of the vote in second, and Morgan Fox got nine percent in third. Mm. Uh, yes. He was uh yeah, so that's the one. That sort of rounds up this, mate. I think we have spoken well and truly long enough about this. Another defeat to Birmingham. Two in nineteen. Two wins in nineteen against them now. Uh, should we get some brief news? Yeah, why not? So, under eighteens, West Brom away. Are you looking for some better news than Birmingham? Please, <laughs> anything. We'll take anything. Well, uh, obviously, it was the Premier League Cup. And we said that they'd lost their first two group games, so it was like a bit of a dead rubber anyway. Uh, so they've travelled away to West Brom Saturday morning, 11, 11 a.m. kickoff, uh, lost 5 0. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so sorry about that. Uh, there was no better news, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> so the sports bar is ready. Two and a half million pounds it's spent, uh, been spent on it, converting Delilah's into a sports bar. It's all ready, mate. Membership's available. People buying them. Season ticket holders getting free. What well, I mean, you've you've sort of had a bit of not so much. I don't know if a bit of input would you say, or a bit of being kept up to date a bit more, uh, being involved with the supporters council. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts around around this sports bar? Uh, no, I think it's a good idea, mate. I think it's something a lot of people will probably use outside of Stoke matches. To be honest, I mean, the club will no doubt have World Cup on there. They've probably paid through the nose to get these contractors back to get it sorted in time. Um, but yeah, mate, I, th- I think it's a good-looking bar. Um, we'll see how busy it gets on match days. I'm sure it'll be heaving. Uh, if, I think it's first game against Cardiff, I think it is, when it opens. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you're looking to get in there, I'd get there early because, well, you're probably going to struggle to get in. Uh, I think it is a first-come, first-served basis. So uh, when it's probably hit capacity, you won't be allowed in. So, yeah, uh, although it... you membership holders will be allowed in, but anyone just turning up, I believe, won't be. If I remember reading it right. Yeah. So they said if you if you're a member, you're counted as being there. Like, so they'll they'll always make sure there's enough room for all the members to be in there. Yeah. And then um, obviously anyone else season ticket holders turn up, you can get in with your season tickets, uh, but you can't go into the upstairs area that is members only as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but obviously, yeah, if you if there's the allocated amount of season ticket holders already in there and you turn up, you won't be allowed in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, it. It's going to be good. Yeah, like I say, I mean, they've spent a fair whack on it. Two and a half million pounds is a fair amount of money on a bar. <laughs> so, yeah, that might be a fair play to them. Let's hope it, let's hope it goes down well and people use it. Uh, but like, it's funny how you said about the World Cup, though, because obviously that Cardiff game is post-World Cup. Mm. So does that indicate that maybe it's not going to be open during the World Cup? Um. I, yeah, it'd be, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what happens, mate. Yeah, because England have last two group games, I believe, for England both kick off at seven pm. So that would be perfect sort of timing for them if they wanted to, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, if if they can get it open in time and get everything sorted, mate, hundred percent they will. It's printing money, so yeah, yeah, it, they will. They'll get it open if they can. So, um. Alex Neal says he's happy to extend Phil Jagielka's stay at Stoke. Happy to give him a new contract. Um, like you said, <laughs> what are your thoughts on this? I mean, before today, I don't think anybody would have had any issues. I think one mistake, it's 
a bit harsh to say no contract after that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, mate. He gets his, he gets a new deal to the end of the season. Simple as that for me. Um, and then he will probably want to hang up his boots. I expect at that point. Um, but yeah, it 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 makes sense for everyone. He ain't going to be on much, probably fifteen grand a week, maybe. Um, so you know, don't really get too many good solid centre backs for fifteen grand. Um, so yeah, no brainer. Give him a deal to the end of the season and see what happens. Bro. Um, five yellows. So the deadline has passed for the one game ban for five yellow cards. Now, I didn't see it earlier on, but somebody said to me that Lewis Baker picked up a yellow card at the start of the second half. And looking at, I looked around and the only place I can see was Thompson got booked. So I'm like, I didn't see it. And I'm now I'm, I'm pretty satisfied that Baker didn't get booked. So because there was him to lap and obviously Connor Taylor who were all one booking away, weren't they, from a suspension. Yeah. So now, even if any of them get booked against Luton, doesn't matter. The deadline's passed. Now you need 10 yellow cards and you'll get a two-game ban. So that that's good news, I think. I think that's, that's positive news for us because I, I don't, you know, I think, like you said, Lewis Baker's been sitting on four yellows since August the 27th. And I think his, his form sort of dipped around that, you know, after that time, didn't he? Whether he whether he felt he was picking up too many cards to have four yellows in his first month of the season, and has sort of adapted his game that way, or whether it was the fact that he was just one off a suspension and he's adapted it because of that. I either think way, so, mate. Either way, he's maybe going to be able to play with a little bit. Feel like he's got a bit more freedom now. Yeah, I, I think it's exactly what it is, mate. It's, even if it's not, again, I mean, talk about it a lot. Even if it's not a conscious thing, in the back of his mind somewhere, it's like, I can't get another yellow card. Um, maybe it's, I said, maybe it's that. Maybe it's the leadership side of, I'm a captain. I can't really be seen to be missing games through red cards. I mean, how can I come down on people um, and find people? You know, Obviously, he's involved and he, he sorts out all, all the fines and stuff for, for players. So... Yeah, I think you said it to me, didn't you, the other week? Maybe he feels he can't do that. So, yeah, let's see if he comes back. Um, I mean, we all know how good Baker can be. I mean, he can be the difference between, well, a draw and a a win sometimes. Um, So, yeah, sooner he's back and firing, the better. Bro, and (laughs) just going to end this little news section here on a bit of a light-hearted one. So, Duck Magazine, Mm -hmm. um, which obviously is in some of its final... Um, Prince now isn't he? He's going to finish at the end of the season. Yes, they've shame. had a, they, yeah, very much big shame. Uh, it's going to be quite a big loss, I think, to the uh, you know, the Stoke supporters' uh, match day experience. Um, but Robert Tooth is in the latest, the latest Dot Mag, and uh, he he's been recalling his pre seasons with Tony Pulis. Uh, says I remember my first pre season; it was horrendous, running, running, and more running. Uh, they even had a little hill built at Clayton Woods. We'd start with a 10k, then we'd do what we called the Pulis run later. If we did that well, then we might be able to have the footballs out later on. <laughs> hey, um, you know what, that, that straight away before we move on, sorry. Uh, you know what song comes to my head as soon as you started t- talking about that? Go on. Running up that hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so is, isn't it? Uh, and then he goes on and says, like, you know, uh, um, how he loved being you know, away with all his mates, people his age, um, being away, going seeing fans, and being a bit more relaxed in pre-season. 
Um, and then he says, saying all that, I think I nearly died twice training was that hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but brilliant for my career in terms of playing plenty of games in his fitness. And he was never fitter than when he was at Stoke. Uh, he was possibly the best he's ever played. Yeah, it doesn't It doesn't surprise me, mate. Um, we've probably never been fitter since <laughs> with, any, with any team. Um, so we'll, we'll get Pulis back to do the fitness coaching. We'll make him well, absolutely... Go, go, sorry, go on. I was going to say, to be honest, I think Alex Neal is cut from the same cloth, isn't he? He's, he's um, been going all, you know, well in about the fitness and sort of digging. I think he's quite happy to be digging players out that they're not fit enough. It wouldn't surprise me if he was a hill runner in pre-season and I think this November you might see them out and about around the streets of uh, Trent Vegas <laughs> running, <laughs> uh, doing a bit of running while this World Cup's on. Right. Let's get into Luton. So, Mike, Luton, return of the, the chest bumper. He's a, he's a, he's already we've already had one time when he should have come, and then obviously, for, you know, due to um, the Queen's passing, it was rearranged for today. Shall we? Uh, do you want some stats? Um, yeah, go on then. Although for playing today, I mean, the players are going to be absolutely knackered. <laughs> do you mean do you mean Saturday, Dan? <laughs> I mean, I don't mean Saturday. I mean midweek. <laughs> midweek. Look up, we're both at it. Oh, it's been a long day. Carry on. <laughs> so we're sitting here on Saturday night. I say today. I say today. Mike says no, not today. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! Carry on quickly. Move uh, on. People won't notice. Carry on. So. Uh, we've played Luton on 48 occasions, 21 wins, 15 draws, 12 defeats. At Stoke, we've played them 23 times with 10 wins, 7 draws, 6 defeats. Uh, actually, that means we have a better record at Luton than we do at home <laughs> in this fixture. Um, February's loss was the first defeat to Luton in 12 games since 2000. Previous 11 having 8 wins and 3 draws. However, between 1974 and 95, we played Luton 15 times, winning just once with seven draws, seven defeats. That win was actually at Luton as well. Um, these get, So from the same fixtures that we played this season, we got 23 points last year from the games we played. This, from the fixtures that we've got this season, we had 23 points from the corresponding games last year. Obviously, we're only on 22 this season. However, the big thing is after 19 games last season, we had 31 points and we've only got 22 currently. Nick Powell. Now, he's played Luton five times in his career, won three times, gained 10 points and scored three goals. So he loves playing Luton. I wonder how many of them games are actually against Nathan Jones's Luton as well. <laughs> uh, a couple, sit- I think. He certainly, I think it's definitely a couple of them goals are, aren't they? Mm. He seems to uh, turn on, doesn't he? He seems to get up for these games. Um, other interesting one, Phil Jagielkis. Four, he's played uh, four times against Luton and scored twice, which for him is obviously a decent uh, ratio. The game here could be... It's not a stat you want to hear, I'll be honest. Luton start really well. <laughs> and they get in front early doors. <laughs> At half time, they have been leading in nine of the 18 games this season. They've scored 13 and conceded eight in the first half, whereas in the second half, they've only scored eight goals and conceded 11. 
So they're very much a team who perform well in the first half and then drop off in the second. Our problem being, once we go behind, <laughs> we can't come back. Uh, Stoke are the complete opposite in that, which isn't good for a team who don't do well when they fall behind. We've only been in front in four games out of 19 at half-time this season. Um, scoring eight and conceding 11. In the second half, we've scored 12, conceded 14. Obviously, our home form is absolutely terrible, and we are 23rd in the home table in the championship. Which you know, I don't think we've I don't think we've ever been that low. Well, it's, it's a good it's, job that um, Wigan didn't beat us the other day, or else we would have been bottom of the, of the uh, form table. Yeah, so eight points from nine home games, and. Luton are third in the away table with 17 points from nine away games. Uh, do you want some ref stats? Go on. Oliver Langford is the referee. Oh, we know that name. Yes, he keeps refing us, doesn't he? So he refed us, he refed us in the game against Sunderland. So although we lost, Alex Neal won that game. That's what I'm taking from that. <laughs> um, and I think he was the original ref for this fixture which may feel like we've had him a few times when we've well, he's only done the one game so far this season. Um, so overall, he has refed us 13 times. We have two wins, three draws and eight defeats. Okay. <laughs> we've lost four out of the last five and six out of the last eight when he's refed us. Uh, Refing Luton, he's refed them 10 times. They've got five wins, three draws and just two defeats. Uh, in 2018-19, he refed us three times. He refed us away at Millwall, Derby and Forest, all the way from home, all games ended nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> Just an interesting quirk. Yeah, I, think, I think we'd take a nil-nil right now, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> take something. Uh, this season, he's refed 13 games, gives 44 yellow cards, one red and three penalties, which is actually quite a high penalty count, I think. One every four games. Um, so, Luton, he refed them this season their 1-0 win away at Norwich when he sent off Mc, uh, Kenny McLean, not James, Kenny, uh, for Norwich. So that was a 1-0 win there. And then last season, he refed them in a 1-0 win away at Coventry, a 1-0 win away at Swansea, a 1-0 win away at Barnsley, <laughs> and uh, but also a 2-2 draw away at Blackburn and a 2-1 defeat at Owen to Cardiff. So he's definitely not a homer of a ref, is he? No. I was going to say, because when, when I, was, I was looking at some stats, and I'm sorry if I'm jumping on your parade a little bit here, so I, I noticed when I was looking back through Luton's fixtures, I think and you may have mentioned this already, but I mean, Luton have lost 1-11. in 11. Um, I think they've, in terms of away from home, they've been Norwich, Hull, Cardiff, Swansea. And I think only Hull are actually below us, which is only a one-point difference. It's hardly really below us. Um, and I think a win over us takes them to fourth if they if they beat us. Well, when they beat us on Tuesday, um, and only four teams in the division have conceded less than Luton. Uh, so obviously they're hard to beat, and two of those are actually teams sitting in the promotion places right now. So, yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know just how many more stats you can possibly come up with, Dan, but um, probably just about covers it. I would have thought. <laughs> um, Watch, I mean, actually, before we go on to that, uh, we have actually had some audio through, haven't we, which uh, you've been sleuthing again. I have. So, yes, this is from Luton, the podcast, and this is what they've got to say ahead of the game. 
Hi, it's Ian Robertson from We Are Luton Town. Just a couple of thoughts on the up-and-coming match against Stoke on Tuesday. Obviously, um, we've had a, a little bit of a, a tough run of late, a couple of draws. We've had quite a few injuries, although we've only had one defeat in the last 11 games and two in the last 15 games. It's still a little bit of a, 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 bit of a patch for us because we've had a, a few injuries especially on the back line we had another one today uh, against Blackpool um, spirited performance today but the performance levels have been down a little bit so um, you know it'll be a it'll be a tough game at Stoke um, I know you guys obviously have had a little bit of a, a bad run as well um, only one one win in the last few games but um, you, you know you're still a very um, you know good and effective team um, you're not that far away you're in most games so um, it's going to be a tough game, but hopefully we can get the three points. And it's you know, we've got the World Cup coming up soon, so I think we're all wanting to get all of our players fit um, for after that. Come after we come back from that, so uh, hopefully it'll be a good game and obviously good luck after we finish. But um, you know, it's always going to be a tough game, and obviously Nathan Jones coming back. We got a good result there last year, but. Under no illusions, it's going to be a tough game. Hopefully, we can get a few players back, but it's just ferocious. The the schedule at the minute, it's game after game after game, and you know it's hurting everybody in the league. So I think we could do with the break. But obviously, um, after Tuesday, uh, all the best. Um, but hopefully, we can get a result on Tuesday. You know, it's going to be a, under the floodlights in the rain, probably um, very cold. So you know, it can go either way, but. Um, we'll take, obviously, a draw or a win, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, good luck after that. Cheers, thank you for that, Ian. And, uh, yes, here's Graham McGarry with his weekly prediction, as always. Well, here we go again, you Potters predictors. We're back once again with a midweek fixture. Let's hope the results like the last midweek fixture for Stoke and they get back to winning ways. But, of course, Nathan Jones is back in the area with his Luton Town side who are going really well in the Championship. Can Stoke City put behind the disappointment of losing at home to Birmingham and also having one of the worst home records in the Championship? Well, they've got that opportunity and they have to start performing and producing results. He's surely going to make some changes, Alex Neal. He might be just running out of patience with a few of those players. Tricky game. Not sure Stoke can win it. Might have to be satisfied with a rare draw. Stoke won, Luton Town won. We'll see, we've, we're even starting to break Graham. Even he stopped giving us wins. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't blame him, to be honest. I don't think I'll be predicting a win either. Uh, well, no, mine's easy, mate. 2-0 win to Luton. Um, I'm uh, going to say 2-0 defeat. Um, the lowest attendance of the season... And everyone's going to come away booing and miserable. It's going to rain just to top everything off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can't, wait you like? for... <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. Sounds thrilling. Sorry, mate. Full of positivity. Do you, do you want my team? Yes, please do. Okay. Um, Jack Bonham's in goal. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've gone 4-1-2-3. Okay. Um, I'm I'm struggling up front, but either way. So Sterling, right back, uh, Suter and Jagielka in the middle with Josh Timer on left back. I know it's not necessarily great, but the reason for that is that I've got, um, I'll come back to in a sec, but Thompson is the holding midfielder with Lawrence, if he's fit, um, alongside Baker. If he's not fit, 
then unfortunately, not so unfortunately, but I'd probably put a Powell or Smallbone. Not that I think Smallbone deserves to be in there, to be honest, but we're kind of a bit limited on centre midfielders. So it's either uh, Lawrence or, say, Powell. And then the front three on the right is Jacob. Again, he needs a big game. I still want Dwight Gale in there, so he's going to head up the attack. And Fosu is going to be on the left, which is exactly what I said. Timon and Fosu, get them playing together um, in that kind of almost like a 4-3-3, but one is a bit more of a deep line uh, defensive midfielder. That is about it, because we're a bit limited on options, to be honest, quality options. It's funny, because I've sort of gone for this similar formation. I've gone for 4-2-3-1. So I've kept basic in goal for now. But I do think that needs to be a priority. I think the manager knows that. I think he'll be well over. We've been linked with Daniel Everson in January. It wouldn't surprise me if he was through the door on January the 1st, to be honest. Definitely, yeah. Um, but yes, basic and goal. I think I'm going for Sterling, Wilmot, Suter and Tymon as my back four. Okay. Baker and Thompson in front of them. And then I've got Campbell on the right, Fossil on the left, Powell in the middle, and I've gone for Gale up front. Okay. I think we've seen, you know, we know even what Suter's done in that under-21 game. You saw his assist there, didn't you? And then you just think, if he, I'm not saying he's going to come back and be the player he was from the off. But he's another. I think he adds another dimension to our attacks as well when he is playing and when he's fit. He's got such a good range of passing on him, hasn't he? Yeah. And I think if he's playing, he's playing that left hand side. He's got you know Campbell will benefit on the right. If he can step out and bring and you know bring it out, I think he's got good good players with good awareness in Thompson in front of him as well. Who can maybe sort of drop him for him if he goes forward with the ball and Gale. You know, Gale will be wanting to make them runs as well if he's going to start playing through balls. So Gale's going to have, he's going to have Suter, he's going to have Timon, he's going to have Campbell, Powell, Fosu, all playing around him. If he doesn't score with all them going on, when is he going to be able to? Well, mate, he's got to, he's got to do something. I don't, again, though, I don't care who scores as long as we score, but yeah, mate, 100% Gale needs to pull his finger out somehow. At the end, hit him on his backside kick the ball in his face, whichever way it's going to go in, just, just get in the net. Well, I mean, I'm going to go for, I'm going to go with Graham, 1-1. One, one. Okay, well, I'm sticking to me 2-0. Um, anything we need to think about, anything we need to know, do you think about Luton? Anything you know about their, sort of how they're going to be setting up and that? Um, Any diamonds on show? Well, I mean, they play the, the whole kind of wing-back diamond-type formation anyway. They, they switch and change from what I believe, so... Yeah, I mean, again, mate, I, we like to be positive on here, but we've got to be realistic. I don't think there's any way that we win on Tuesday. I just can't see it. There's nothing I've seen recently that convinces me we're good enough to beat Luton. Yeah, I mean, Adebayo's been a real sort of many all season, hasn't he, up front for them? And I just, you just think, him playing on the left-hand side, Sterling, Sterling slash Wilmot going to have the, the work cut out. And if they're dealing with him, then that's only going to give Morris free reign down the, in the middle into if, if they're preoccupied looking after Adebayo. Yeah. 
Yeah, 100%, mate. And actually, we've had a few um, predictions in, literally, as I'm scrolling through. So just a couple of predictions for you from other people. Uh, Blackbeard's gone for a 2-1 uh, Luton win. He said he's got no faith in the boys or the manager. Ouch. Um, Liam, friend of the pod, has gone. His prediction is just pain. <laughs> and there's no scoreline, just pain. Um, and we've had Tim uh, Whitehurst as well with his. So he's gone for a 1-0 Luton um win unfortunately so he's going to give them a goal in the 16th minute the time waste for the 18th minute frustrators crowd gets uh, nasty we can't create anything lose one nil and nathan jones runs up from his technical area to cup his ears to the booth and end not even a prediction it's happening so uh yeah full of positivity tonight everybody <laughs> i don't blame to, you but yeah to quote somebody you some people may know if you know you know one of them things it's not a prediction, it's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, who knows, mate? This is Stoke. Maybe they'll surprise us. Don't hold your breath, but maybe they will. Um, anything else you want to cover off before we, we log off? No, I mean, I, I'd do Super 6, but we're only three games out of six in, so I'm not going to bother with that. Gaffer, uh, again, there's games to play in there, isn't there, so we'll leave that for now. We'll update them on Wednesday. Well, you'll no doubt be sunning yourself somewhere. I'll be in a, I'll finally be in Vegas, mate. I'm, I can't wait. Obviously, I wasn't meant to be on this pod, but um, as soon as Mr. Andy Blinston's in, was he in Scotland? Is he or something? I he did Edinburgh. He L- yeah. Lucky, lucky so and so didn't see that today, did he? <laughs> no, no, he uh, he didn't, mate. And I think he's quite happy uh, with that. But yeah, I mean, I, mate, I'm looking forward to to seeing the the gaffer updates because I've gone up to 29th um, so far. I've had a bit of a, a good week. Made, made, made some changes. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, obviously, we are getting close to the World Cup now, aren't we? And just to let people know, you know what the plans are, We, uh, you're going to be taking a bit of a sabbatical, aren't you, Michael? Recharging uh, your batteries? I am, mate, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the plan, if we can get Andy nailing down to sit with me for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone wants to come on and be the third wheel, we are we are open to replacing Andy. So if anyone listens to this who wants to be a podcast presenter, um, all you need to do is send an audio in to us and uh, you could be Andy's replacement. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, during the World Cup, uh, we have got two, I've got two, two other voices who are going to be joining us for these World Cup podcasts as well. Um, one's a Stoke fan and one is a... Crew slash Liverpool fan, so you can take the mick out of them for supporting two clubs. That's like Andy supporting Vale and Stoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yes, so yeah, they, they'll be joining us. We'll be possibly. I think the plan is for us to do a podcast this week before the Gareth Southgate announces his squad, which is on Thursday, um, and then there will be sort of you know around pre you know basically the same as we do with Stoke games. There'll be one previewing every England game and obviously reviewing the the game before as well. So yeah, that's uh, hopefully there's seven of them as England storm their way through the the tournament. Uh, whether they can do that in like the fifty five degrees heat of Qatar, I'm not sure, but we shall give it a go <laughs> and hope for the best. Um. So yeah, so that'll be obviously those those will be on the same feed. You don't need to change anything. These podcasts will just be appearing, and there is hope that we will. You will be hearing Mike's voice, but 
in a interview kind of way, isn't there, Michael? Yes, I'm waiting for the text back from a certain person, and hopefully we should be good. We we have numerous people lined up, don't we? But we are yeah. sort of dotting the I's, crossing the T's, aren't we, on the last few things. If we can get them all sort of done and dusted, then you're you're going to be podcast crazy for the next month. <laughs> um, obviously, if not, then we apologise, <laughs> but we try the best. Yeah, well, people can't complain about um, not having enough content, mate. We haven't missed a single podcast ever since we started no. last season. So, yeah, what hopefully we, you, what we you might what we might do for your Stoke fix is obviously we have got some sort of in our sort of back office, and we have you know things that we've done previously, interviews that we've done previously, and I suppose we have you know get we're gaining listeners all the time, so we might just re-release some of those you know Tyrese Campbell Kieran Maguire Lou Roberts um, Simon Lowe there's there's quite a few on there isn't there that we've uh, that we could sort of re-release for people who haven't heard them before to have a listen to or if you have listened to before you might want to listen to them again sounds lovely well um Dan, it's been a pleasure as always, mate. Thanks for having me. I will send you um, probably an audio clip or two from from Vegas. And uh, fingers crossed, mate, we can pull up a surprise result against Luton, pull up a surprise result against West Brom, and then we're all talking about promotion again by the time I come back. So, yeah. Go go, go win some money on them roulette wheels. I will, mate. Don't you worry. I'll I'll make make your your life of a full-time podcast presenter a reality. Don't you worry. Um, Yeah, so, mate, appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Everyone, thanks for joining us as always. Um, And I'll see you very soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.